Welcome in to the latest edition of ESPN FC. He literally just went out and got changed into this. What? What is this? What? Shaka <laughs> and Nader, can you see this? What? Can you see the state of what's next to me? What? <laughs> no. All right, Shag. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't see what's going on. Oh, oh, there's no return. Oh, oh man, I'll tell you up. what, I promise ho, ho, ho. you, you are very lucky indeed. Well, if, if some of us are going to bother coming in today, <laughs> wow. right, if they're going to make us come in today, we're going to make an effort, right? Crikey, we're going man. to make an effort. You've never made an effort in your life around this time. What's that? What is it? Uh, right, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Let's get on with the show. Chelsea started the better of the two sides and really should have taken the lead on the half-hour mark. Raheem Sterling found himself through one-on-one. -on -one. He could have laid it off to Cole Palmer for a simple tap-in, went for the shot. The shot was saved, and that proved to be quite a defining moment in the game because in the second half, Wolves would take the lead six minutes after the break. Lamina with a nice header from a corner, and then Doherty made the most some poor defending from Chelsea to make it 2-0. And Konku would get one back for his first Premier League goal. But it's another defeat for Chelsea that leaves them 10th in the table, 18 points of Arsenal at the top. Uh, Shaka and Nadam are of course with us, but let's start with Mr. Merry Christmas. Well, this is a very serious football show today, so... Um, right. <laughs> we can't take Chelsea and Man United serious. How can we take ourselves serious, you know what I mean? This, this is bad, <laughs> bad again from Chelsea. Well, I think Chelsea and Man U should just play off between themselves between now and end of the season. Like and, the opposite of a Super League. And, and the, the loser loses because... <laughs> It's, it's, it's getting a bit Groundhog Day of talking about Man United yesterday and it's, just, it's the same with Chelsea. Look, uh, a mishmash still of players coming on and throwing the kitchen sink at the end and all these subs, but, you know, the, the, the decision-making, uh, particularly from Raheem Sterling, I, I think that's, that's, that's beyond the pain. How would you would have reacted if you were Cole Palmer? Oh, well, Cole Palmer's a young, youngster, right? right. Uh, but let me tell you, in all the experienced dressing rooms I've played in, they, that would have been a problem at halftime. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Particularly when you're in the position that you're in. The club's struggling, the team's struggling, the manager's struggling. It's not about you. It's about, it's about playing a simple five-yard pass to the right. And don't tell me he never saw it. Right, because you can see, unless you've got blinkers on, you can see in your peripheral vision, you know you've got a couple of players there. And it's a simple pass, job done, they take the lead, yeah. and who knows what's going to happen. Now, that's not why they're where they are in the league and blah, blah, blah. But when you're down there, you need to make good decisions, and that was a, an awful decision. But, but, you know, up front, they are horrendous. Up front, I mean, Nico Jackson, somebody will have to tell me what he does. I mean, mm. he played a little bit off Breuer today. And then they made some changes. He's got eight yellow cards as a front man, probably more than he's had strikes at goal. I mean, it's, it's, it's just horrendous. And it, it asks questions about the recruitment again because he's clearly not good enough to play as a headline striker in the Premier League. Uh, Nadam, I just want to go back to that Sterling moment because it was so kind of definitive when it came to the result of this match. You felt if Cole Palmer would have scored from that, then it could have obviously changed everything. Do you agree with Craig that, that Sterling's out of order there? Um, I agree with Craig in the sense that the better option would have been to pass, but in reality, Raheem Sterling is good enough to be able to finish that in a better way. I think Jose Sars read him from sort of days ago in terms of when he dived to his left-hand side to deal with it. But again, like, 
if they if half time came and they're going to discuss that, I wonder if Sterling's thinking, you know, I should have passed, or whether he's thinking he should have put a better finish towards it. But for them, you know, this is the case of their season. This is how their season's been. This is how last season was. This is a team that huffs and puffs, but unfortunately misses a ton of chances. And we saw that again today because they had some great opportunities. And to come away with a 2-1 defeat in a game which they feel that they should have won, I think it comes down to the finishing because everybody concedes. But with the quality they have, they should be scoring more and they shouldn't be missing as many chances as they do, in my opinion. And Kunku came on and took his chance. Shaq, if we're going to have one little glimpse of a positive light for Chelsea fans... Yeah, we've been waiting all season long for Nkunku to, to have some kind of an impact for, for Chelsea in the hope that he changes their fortunes. Um, and w- listen, Nkunku comes on and all of a sudden there, there's a, a sense of quality about Chelsea's attacking play that we hadn't seen, certainly not during the course of this game and probably hadn't seen all season long, um, the, the Carabao Cup game uh, aside. Um, but... Chelsea made all their own problems. I'm, I'm, I'm with Craig. I thought Raheem Sterling not passing was inexcusable. If he, if he's on his own, and Sam makes that save, you say really good save by by the Wolves goalkeeper. Not passing to to his right where he's got two players. It, it, it's simply inexcusable. Um, and, and that kind of summed up Chelsea. No, I, I guarantee to your question, we've been waiting for Nkunku to, to come back for so long. And he, he showed a sense of quality, a, a sense of composure, of calm uh, about Chelsea. But it's going to take a whole lot more than, than that um, on, on this showing. To, to, to turn around their fortunes. Uh, you take a look at it, and, and they even mentioned the, the missed opportunities. In fact, they've missed more big chances than any other team in the league this season. Uh, they're first ahead of Everton. Have I got my bobble in the right oh, place here? Oh, thing. Look, right, if you t- right. t- take a look at this, uh, does this yeah, make a no, difference? I, I'm fed, you're, you're, I, I, you're creating chance. I, I, I'm fed up looking at these kind of stats, right? You know, and, and, and I'll tell you why. Because this has been hard. They've been harping on about this at Chelsea now. You know, Mourinho's, Pochettino's harping on about it. Uh, trying to drive it as, this is why we are where we are. Graham Potter was very similar, maybe not quite as much, but it was always, oh, we're dominating games, we can't finish, which they did a lot of times. And Thomas Tuchel, to some extent, was, was singing from the same hymn sheet. Mm. Blah, 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 blah. They're all, it's three managers. Come on, we can't keep using this as an excuse. That the, the, the Sterling one was just downright crazy decision-making, right? That's not down to bad finishing. Taking a strike at goal there should never have been an option with the options that he had to his side. And, and Nico Jackson, you know, at the moment, it just looks like this, this Premier League is just too much for him. Yeah. You know, that's not, that's not bad finishing, it's bad players. And, and, you know, look, at the end of the day, you know, do you think they'll sell that to the Chelsea fans and say, oh, you know, look at this stat here. We're, we're sitting in mid-table mediocrity, and, but we're creating a lot of chances. I mean, come on. This has, been, this has been the excuse now for, I would say, at least two, two and a half years. We talk about Manchester United in a moment and their takeover. Uh, who's worse off, though, Shaq, on the pitch? United or Chelsea? Oh, goodness. Um... <laughs> I'm going to have to say I'm going to have to say I think um, United are worse off um, I, I just I, I don't see where where a spark is coming from for, for Manchester United and as I mentioned Nkunku coming back maybe that, that changes things um, maybe a, a little bit of a run in games and, and a 
growing confidence for, for Chelsea. Again, season kind of moved <laughs> Shaka, up the team. Shaka, you're really not selling this. But, well, I, it's, it's, I mean, I, I take your pick. I, I, have, I, I don't want to be either. I, I, it's the God's honest truth. I, I'm not sure who's better off. Uh, Nick, oh, but hold on, let, 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 let's just roll it back a little bit, right? I think we most of us agree, Man United, by their standards, are... You struggling with this? No, 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 carry on. <laughs> Man United, I know you struggle to take me serious at the best of times. Get on with it! <laughs> Man United, I think we all agree, are, <laughs> by their standards, abysmal, right? They gave Chelsea an absolute gone over. I mean, I got a trouncing, yeah. Yeah. right? 28 efforts they created. It could have been six or seven at Old Trafford. This is a Man United side that struggled to open anybody up. And yet Chelsea had two or three chances themselves, but nowhere near. So I think when you look at the two sides, as bad as Man United are, they, you can argue that at Old Trafford in the big game between a couple of dobbers, they gave Chelsea an absolute doing. And it should have been it should have been much worse than it was. So Chelsea are in a, a they're in a real bad position here. Just I mean both are of course. And I get what Shaq is saying. It's a real difficult conundrum. But recent history will tell you that Chelsea can't beat anybody of any note. They were lucky against Newcastle, but for Kieran Trippier, they wouldn't be in the semi final yeah. of a Carabao Cup. I mean, if that's not papering over the cracks, I don't know what is. And there just doesn't seem any sort of spine to this Chelsea side, Naden. Uh, you could say that, you could say that, but you know, you look at it, Thiago Silva's playing every single game, whether the fact that a 38, 39 year old is like a pivotal part of your strategy, if that's a good thing, I'm not sure. And then in midfield, you've obviously got Gallagher, who I think has played well this season, although now the rumours that he's going to be sold in January, perhaps. But yeah, it's just, for me, it's just up top. But I think what I would say is a comparison between them and United, for as much as United are in a better position league-wise, and they're not as far away from their objectives, I think personally, United are a tougher watch. Because you look at them, I think they've scored 18 goals in the league, which is the same as Burnley, it's the same as Luton, it's the same as Crystal Palace. So they can grind out a 1-0 perhaps every so often. You know, Onana's kept clean sheets and, you know, we never really come away from United game thinking, oh, that was potentially exciting. But when we see Chelsea click, and it might be, you know, for five minutes a weekend, but when we see them click, it makes sense. You're seeing Cole Palmer, Sterling's, people like that charging forward. You're seeing some of the energy in midfield, some of the good football. But then I think, as is the case with both sides, they've got a ton of injuries as well. So I think the two are kind of in the same sort of boat. But I think Chelsea would happily be further up the table like Man United are because, you know, as it stands, like, what a bad few months that's been for both sides. I agree. Uh, and you take a look at the money, obviously, that's spent, Shaq, and that's why Chelsea is such a big story. Since he's arrived, the Nets spent €742 million Euros for Todd Bowley. Since he's arrived, they are 12th when it comes to the points per game and 12th when it comes to the goals per game. Uh, it's it's ridiculous, and and listen, th this speaks to a, a bigger problem within football. And, and oftentimes we look at the eleven that cross the line and put it down exclusively to them. But from the time Todd Bowley arrived, there has been a, what we all describe as a scattergun transfer approach. There doesn't seem to be any real thinking behind who they go after, other than. If somebody else is interested in this player, we are too, without any thought as, as to how it fits into to what they're doing, what they're trying to build. And then even after the first year, he comes out and says, well, no more of that. We, we're going to be a lot more sensible about our spending. Thank goodness for, for Saudi Arabia. They come in and, and, and top up their coffers. And then they just turn around and go and do the exact same thing late, late on in the summer. And as a result, you have a bunch of... of 
talented players in a mismatched team and, and you get these, these ridiculous, ridiculous results and, and performances. Todd Bowley has got to hand the reins over to somebody who knows what they're doing football-wise because I, I don't think anything about what he's offered has, um, has built on, on what we've seen from, from Abramovich for, for all those years. Maybe, he's trying to one-up Abramovich and fail miserably. Maybe Todd Bowley should hand the reins over to this little fella. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you, yeah I, anyway, what about at least... I've been, I've been told, shut up. Look I, at I, the I, effort I, Shaq's I, made today. I, I, Look, I, I, at least Nadam's got a Christmas tree <laughs> in the background. I've made a heck of an effort here, brought my little friend in. There's not even a Christmas decoration in the Hislop backdrop. Shaq, why aren't you here? It's like working with a child today. I need some support. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my... Are you, uh, Nadam, you can see it now, yes? You have return? You can yeah. see... Yeah. yeah How I would you see, rate yeah. this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he's, he's definitely in a festive spirit. So, yeah, <laughs> I know, I've never seen this from him. <laughs> That's the worst, worst Grinch I've ever seen I in know, my life. I know, I can, what is this thing you keep for poking at everyone? It's, what, it's a live animal. It's a live animal. <laughs> I, no, but I, have to, but I, had, I had eyes this morning. Right, OK. Uh, one of my dogs ate it. Uh, <laughs> Slimy didn't eat the rest of the outfit. Uh, extra Get time. on with that. Extra time is available today. Oh, look at that. He's dressed horribly. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. 
Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Oh, no. What's wrong now? Can't go back to them again. Well, we, it's all happened, hasn't it? An agreement with Jim Radcliffe. This is what Manchester United said. We are delighted to have agreed this deal with Sir Jim Radcliffe and Ineos as part of the strategic review we announced in November 2022. We committed to look at a variety of alternatives to help enhance Manchester United with a focus on delivering success for our men's, women's and academy teams. Sir Jim and Ineos bring a wealth of commercial experience as well as significant financial commitment into the club and through it. Neos, Manchester United will have access to seasoned, high-performance professionals, experienced in creating and leading elite teams from both inside and outside the game. Manchester United has talented people right across the club, and our desire is to always improve at every level to help bring our great fans more success in the future. There's more. This is what Sir Jim Radcliffe had to say. As a local boy, and we should have some music playing, and a lifelong supporter of the club, I'm very pleased that we've been able to agree a deal with the Manchester United board that delegates us management responsibility of the football operations of the club. Whilst the commercial success of the club has ensured that there has always been available funds to win trophies at the highest level, this potential has not been fully unlocked in recent times. We recognise that a lot of challenges and hard work lie ahead, which we will approach with rigour, professionalism and passion. Our shared ambition is clear. We all want to see Manchester United back where we belong, at the very top of English, European and world football. Mark Ogden joins us from Manchester oh, to give us the latest. Very disappointing. I thought it was going to be Rob Dawson. Uh, no, it's not Rob Dawson. <laughs> he couldn't make it. He was busy. So was Gab. So was Jules. Yeah. So we've got Mark. Uh, uh, Mark, how yeah. excited should Manchester? How much should uh, um, Manchester United fans? How excited should they be? Well, they should be excited in the sense that the Glazers are taking a back seat from the football side of it, and their influence is diminishing. But you know, let's put the brakes in a little bit. This isn't going to get ratified by the Premier League for six to eight weeks. So that the January transfer window, that's that's irrelevant. That's not going to make any difference because Sir Jim Radcliffe probably won't have his arrival on the board signed off until February. So January is going to be a, a normal Glazer transfer window, which means not a lot will happen. They might get a couple of players out, might get a couple on loan at the end of it, but nothing substantial. I think that the idea that Man United fans can have a bright future starts in the summer, really. I think that Sir Jim Radcliffe and his team will will come in February time, look at what the situation is. They've already done quite a bit of due diligence, but I don't think they can make any substantial changes, significant changes, until the end of the season. And by that point, we'll know whether Eric Ten Hag has managed to get the team out of this terrible slump they're in. A lot of the players will have had six more months to prove that they're either good enough or not good enough. So I think by that point, that's when change will start to happen. But in the short term, they've pledged £250 million, $200 million to upgrading Old Trafford, and that really won't even touch the sides because it needs a lot more than that, but it, it's going to do the basics, fix the roof for a start, maybe stop mm. it leaking on, on the fans who pay a lot of money to watch United. And beyond that, they'll make a couple of appointments. Jean-Claude Blanc, the, the former Juventus CEO, who was kind of pivotal to Juventus coming out of their post Calciopoli situation back in the early 2000s. He, he'll be on the board as well. So promising times, I think, but again, with United, nothing ever happens quickly, so it's going to take a while for this all to seep through to make a difference. So... Let's wait and see how long it takes. Uh, why does it all have to be confirmed for them to do any sort of activity in January? Surely they could just have a conversation between them and the Glazers to get the people in they want before it's all signed and sealed, Mark? 
Well, the Premier League have to do their owners and directors test. And I, listen, I, I think that's going to be a formality, but legally, nothing can be signed off properly until that's done. So we're not talking about a, you know, a, a Middle East state with questionable human rights records here. So I think it'll be a lot more straightforward than, than maybe other potential takeovers. But there's still issues to address, you know, whether there are potential problems with you know, Sir Jim Radcliffe's ownership of Nice, his ownership of Lausanne. Are there any issues there that the Premier League have to be, you know, satisfied about? I don't think there will be, but it still takes time, you know, and it's going to be six to eight weeks. And until that's done, I don't see any successful businessman like Sir Jim Radcliffe putting money, putting money forward mm. before it's all done and dusted. So that's, it's just another, another delay. You know, it's been November 2022 when it all started. And if it's going to be February 2024 when it ends... I mean, that's the end of the beginning, isn't it? It's not the beginning of the end. It's, it's like, what next? But I do think if you're a Man United fan, there will be a reason to have a good Christmas now, even though it's, you know, it's very late on Christmas Eve to be announcing this. But they can say from now on, at least they've got people that seem to have the right idea, that want to win, that have got a bit of sporting expertise behind them because the Glazers have no will to win and no sporting expertise. So surely that's a positive that that's changed. There you are. Good. Which is why they asked, uh, as it was being reported today... By Rob Dawson, not Augie. Right. Uh, that that that, uh, that so Jim Ratcliffe and his Ineos uh, uh, organisation did not stipulate initially that they wanted football control, but it was the Glazers that wanted them to have that, which is just like Augie was saying. It's an admittance that they are utterly and have been utterly clueless mm. in running uh, this football club. Unfortunately, it's been ran so far into the ground. As Mark said, where do they start? Patching up the stadium or re-renovating it and the training ground? I mean, the playing staff, the problems with the Sanchos and others. I mean, there is so, there is so much. Where you know, where do you start? As people coming in trying to, you know, get the clean sweep out and, and, and clean it up, it is it, such a mess before we even get to the manager and yeah. the results. And of course, the Aston Villa next, which is very short term in terms of uh, their outlook but it's a huge game for them and one I wouldn't although this might be some good Christmas news for Man United fans they've got to do one thing still play football and that's a problem Nadam your thoughts? Yeah I think it's a very 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 good statement sounds really really exciting and I'm sure that a more competent Man United would be fantastic for their fan base but I've got to be completely open and honest. Like the incompetence is far more entertaining from the standpoint of millions of others. <laughs> but fair play to them if he gets it across the line. I hope that you know he does make them more competitive because it will help the brand that is the Premier League as such. But you know, unless he's providing better service to Hoyland or he's finding Rashford a way to score some goals, you know, some of those alternatives that they speak about, it'll be interesting to see what they're going to be. Because if they do believe they should be at the very top of English football and world football overall. You know, there are a lot of teams they need to get past at this point who are in a far better position. So let's see what they do. Uh, they obviously have a huge mountain to climb after a dreadful start to the season, no matter when uh, the deal is officially done. Uh, just a reminder how bad it's been. 13 defeats in their opening 26 games. That's the worst start since 1930. No goals in the last four matches. You have to go back to 1992 for the last time that happened. And they've only got 18 goals in the Premier League this campaign. Only Sheffield United have fewer. As you mentioned, it's Villa next. Uh, that is on Boxing Day, and it's tight when the bookies really can't really separate them. Uh, three to two for Manchester United, Aston Villa, then coming at eight to five, uh, a draw at five to two. Market like yesterday was such a mess yet again uh, in that defeat against West Ham. You know, you, you looked at 
when he got rid of Marcus Rashford, maybe that would change things. That obviously had a very temporary change. Then it's all back to being rubbish. It's just problems everywhere once again, isn't there? It is, and I watched that game yesterday, and I just thought that it was basically a team of kids. And I think sometimes Man United, are, they try and get away with it with the fans by saying, look, we're bringing all these kids through, you know, we're, we're giving kids a chance. Lou Van Gaal did the same sort of thing, brought loads of kids through, but they weren't good enough. The kids just simply weren't good enough. And I think, you know, you have to question whether Pellistri's going to be good enough, whether, you know, Anthony's going to be good enough. I think we know the answer to that one. And I think it just it's quite a sad team to watch, you know. Ten Hag makes a lot of excuses, you know, injuries and, you know, lots of lots of games, but they, ha they can't score a goal, and that's down to him. They can't score a goal in, what is it, four games now, and that, that is embarrassing. And I think, you know, the, the statement we've seen tonight from, from Ineos and the Glazers, he doesn't mention Eric Ten Hag, but I think we all know that the, you know, the, big, the big question is, well, we have many questions about this, this takeover, the big question is what happens to Ten Hag, because I think, you know, as things are going on, I can't see him surviving this change of regime, because that the Ineos group want to win. They want to make a, a quick start. So Jim Radcliffe's 71. He's not going to be wanting to hang around for a 20-year project. <laughs> so if Ten Hag can't turn this around, it is on him. And I think they've now got one game a week for the next six months. They've got no European commitments, no Carabao Cup. So he's got time on the training pitch now to make these, these players better, get them fit. And he hasn't been able to do that. So it's a, there's a massive question mark over Ten Hag. And with every defeat, with every terrible performance, his future looks even bleaker. And I think... I'd be, I'd be really surprised if he's there at the end of the well, at the start of next season, shall we say? If you looked at his press conferences alone, it's enough to 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 make you think that anybody with any nous would remove him because since day one of this season, he has talked the biggest load of garbage after a game, and I think he'd have got much more respect if he'd have come up, come out to the press and fronted up, right, and fronted up. But he, but he hasn't. He's come out. And he's come out with all this gobbledygook about how they control games and, how, and about refs' decisions and about this and about that. It's always about, been about something apart from his team, generally. And I think that's made him look even weaker. And I think it's made him look weaker in the dressing room because players, even the unscrupulous ones that are there, who most of them, as we know, are, are quite a few of them are bad apples, uh, but players listen and they see quotes and they talk about this and they go, actually, we were pretty garbage. And look, Shaw... Uh, to be fair, was asked some questions after the West Ham game and gave some relatively straight answers. It was just, just not good enough. Mm. It's just, just not good enough. And this is not what Man United uh, are all about. And so I think not only the results, but words matter. And Ten Hag's words this year have been as bad as his team's performances. Nathan, what's going to happen against Villa on Boxing Day? Oh, my gosh. You know, for how Villa are... The fact that, you know, they couldn't get that win against Sheffield United the other day, that was a big surprise to me. And going to Old Trafford, for as much as a lot of teams get a lot of points there, I just feel like there's going to be a reaction from United. There's going to be a reaction from their fans. There's going to be maybe a bit of jubilation because they can see this thing's happening with the Jim Ratcliffe. So I'm not necessarily leaning for a Villa win. I think Villa at home, you know, they're nearly perfect, but I still favour United. And that's a weird thing wow. for me to say, given the fact that, you know, they don't score any goals. But maybe I'm trying to curse it. Who knows, Dan? Who knows? Yeah, it's the old Nadem double bluff, isn't it? He plays a double bluff every time. Yeah, it's, it? a, it's a predictable move from uh, Mr. Inouye. Uh, yeah, um, consistent, consistent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's not often you're called that. Uh, just a reminder, ESPN <laughs> FC uh, back on Boxing Day to talk you through all those big Premier League matches. Oh, we're done. No, we're not done. We're still oh. going. <laughs>
Uh, world Cruise, top of the world, kings of the world. Uh, this is the first time, Nadam, you've been on since Manchester City were crowned uh, world champions, winning the Club World Cup. Craig has poo-pooed this tournament uh, very vocally. Well, of course he has. No, but hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, world Cruise, top of the world, kings of the world. Uh, this is the first time, Nadam, you've been on since Manchester City were crowned uh, world champions, winning the Club World Cup. Craig has poo-pooed this tournament uh, very vocally. Oh, of course he has. No, but hold on. <laughs> hold on. Oh, he's back, Shaq. <laughs> oh, Shaq's got the um, Christmas lights on now. You're influenced him. Listen, <laughs> listen, don't you? Yeah. I'm a Santa jumper. Look at that. <laughs> oh, yeah, look at that. It's an afterthought now. No, not just this year, though. You're you know, when, when Chelsea won that and other teams, when Chelsea were big in, into winning this, yes. I upset their fans. Yeah, no, no, I'm, yeah. By, by saying, look, it's a glorified friendly yeah. and this is what it is. Yes. But, you, but what I said was still factually correct. What is? That you vocally poo-pooed this tournament. Yeah, every, every year. Yeah, you go, good. So that was just my segue to Nadam, the Manchester City care about this. Not Craig poo-pooing it, then winning it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of, of course they care. But to be honest, Craig is very consistent because I remember this last year, as you say, with yes. Chelsea. Like that, that's his thing. I suppose there's, la- there's a huge sense of apathy towards the tournament because most teams will never get the chance to play in it. I think City were maybe the fourth English side to be able to do it. So when you've not felt it, it's very hard to take true interest in it. But upon uh, this game, we were speaking with uh, a Brazilian well, South American football expert and he's saying how big a game like the club or how big a competition the Club World Cup is in South America, mm. how big it is to the Brazilians, to the Argentinians and other places. And I think maybe there's a bit of, you know, European bias as such because we took, look down our noses at it. But it is a significant thing for those players who took part, those players who won it, because you need to win so, like something to get there. And credit to City, credit to everyone that's won it before. It's a huge accolade to be able to say that you are Club World champions. Obviously, nobody cares outside of your own team. But I'm sure it's something that all those guys will remember. And it's a chance to play against a side that goes beyond your own federation. And I think City playing against Fluminense was an interesting affair. And yeah, they, uh, they did it. And I'm sure there'll be some confidence that will come from it. And it'll be a year that they never forget because 2023 has been astonishing for some. And even, you know, adding a Julian Alvarez a World Cup a year ago, then he does the treble in the summer. Yeah. And then come wintertime this time, he's Club World Cup champion as well. So that surely has to be a positive. Urawa, oh, I can't keep going back to the Urawa Reds. Well, you seem to be able to keep doing it. <laughs> Fluminese, Fluminese, it was a geriatrics 11. Holy smokes. Well, it was still a successful Fluminese. Well, Marcelo so. and yeah. all that. All right. Yeah. Good grief. Even he'd have got a game. 
Uh, right. Meanwhile, it has been a pretty good week for <laughs> Manchester City overall, Nadam. Not only being crowned... I bet you wish I'd stayed at home today. I really wish you stayed at home today, yeah. Offered. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it has, of course, been a good week for City, Nadam, in that everyone has been dropping points around them and a victory against Everton, in theory, could close the gap to three points at the top of the table. Yes, it, that's um, looking at those games at the weekend, I think especially the Aston Villa game, I was expecting them to be able to win. I think we've seen them win 15 or 16 times in a row domestically and to go up against the Sheffield United side without any real form away from home or form in general, you thought they would have won that. So when they drew, I said, OK, that's interesting. And then going to that game, that going into the Liverpool-Arsenal game, obviously the first, first versus second or whatever it was at the time, really exciting. Arsenal scoring early goals. You think, well, maybe Arsenal going to be the team, but Liverpool fought through. And both sides, they jabbed, each other, jabbed at each other. And yeah, draws a fantastic result from for City, but only if they can win that game in hand. And that mm. game in hand is against an Everton side who will be looking to bounce back after a defeat against Spurs and who are also, in the grand scheme of things, in really good form. You know, obviously, the 10-point deduction really does matter, but otherwise, they'd be in a far better position. I think they'd be 8th or no, ninth. I think it would be. So yeah, I think it's great that, they got the, that those two draws happened. You know, you do... But I think it also highlights the fact that the current position they're in is one whereby they need favours to be able to climb the table and they shouldn't expect them to happen every single week. And if they are to start a run, you know, it kind of has to start now because I wouldn't expect these sides up near the top to be dropping points in the way they did this weekend. Uh, Mark, looking at that game at Anfield that you were at, was there, did you get a sense that uh, it would be Liverpool or Arsenal who are going to be more competitive when it comes to winning the league and beating Manchester City this season over the 38 games? Well, I have to say, I went there thinking Liverpool were that team. I, I thought Liverpool had. Uh, Liverpool. Oh, no. Oh, of, no. That's oh, that's a shame. Oh, you're frozen. Oh, no, is he unfrozen? Frozen. Just, just hoping oh. that I don't have to go to you. Oh, uh, there he's back. Okay, start again, Mark. I, was just, I would have filled. Uh, I was just really. So, yeah, I was just saying that I, I went to Anfield thinking Liverpool would be that team. But I came away thinking Arsenal, and part of that is because Mo Salah is going to be away for six weeks, yeah. African Nations duty. But I just thought Arsenal were really impressive, a really impressive outfit, really brave, really bold. Whether they've got a left-back that can win the league, I'm not sure, because Zinchenko wasn't great. But I think Arsenal have got that spirit, they've got a lot of good players, and I think, I think they could really push hard this year and go on better than last season. What do you think, Nadam? Who are you more concerned about? Um... I think Liverpool having that Anfield factor is always going to be a thing because I think overall, in my opinion, I thought they were the better side yesterday. But I also fancied Arsenal going into the game because they don't really take a back step. They always want to be on the front foot against any opposition and even going to Anfield to be able to do that requires a little bit of bravery, which I think they have in, a, in a, an abundance rather. So I would think that Arsenal overall are in a better position now compared to where they were last year, even though they don't have the same mark points on the board because I think they have more of a mentality to be able to dig in at tough times and also as Mark's just said there they don't have one of their key players disappearing you know as it stands for a period of time obviously mm. injury can play into that but yeah I think Liverpool without Salah for as good as they are their ceiling drops down just that little bit because he's someone that can just create something out of nothing whereas for Arsenal you know you're looking at Saliba who's been magnificent you're looking at Declan Rice midfield's been magnificent and the two fours will always be able to cause you some issues. And their aggressive approach will make so many teams uncomfortable. I believe that they're the ones who are more set to push on in the next few weeks. Uh, Nathan, obviously Alexander-Arnold could have won it uh, for Liverpool. I was just intrigued because you must have been in situations as a centre-back. Obviously, it's Declan Rice in this situation. Like when you've got so yeah. many opposition players running at you, how do you deal with this? 
Do you know what Declan Rice did very, very well is the fact that he didn't commit too early. Right. And I think anyone who's played will say that it's, it can be very hard at times to not want to go and engage, but he did it. He delayed long enough to where the decision, the decision had to be made at the last second. I think if he gets that wrong and maybe he tries to step to win the ball from Salah, then before you know it, they've got two, three players and the chance is far easier. But he delayed, he delayed, he delayed. And that makes the person on the ball have to make a decision. And sometimes it's not at the exact moment that they would want to. It's more so a case of the defender saying, well, now you have to do it. And I think he limited the angle as such. I think Alexander Arnold should have scored. But it's a different chance compared to Alexander Arnold being able to take a touch and let the shot go because then he had to take it first time. So credit to Rice. It looks like overall for most people, I think he did nothing. But I guarantee most other people in that same situation would do something which would make the chance easier for whichever Liverpool player would be going through on goal. Do you have kicked someone? What? If you're in that situation. Well, who's he going to kick? <laughs> I don't know. You'd, find some, you'd normally find someone. <laughs> he, had, he had four of them. He had five of them running at him. I mean, he couldn't... Listen, he couldn't have done any more. Right. And Rice. He couldn't have done any more. Because he made Salah make... He made Salah make the decision. And the decision was that ball that Raheem Sterling should have played today, which was an even easier one. Uh, so Declan Rice couldn't have done any more, but that sort of typified his whole performance, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. You know, covering for Zinchenko and doing that. But yeah, Alexander Arnold uh, should have scored. But I, you know, I think, and I was saying this yesterday. Yeah, that 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 should have been buried. But I mean, how many away from home, Liverpool? David Rias probably had one of his quite actually one of his quieter games in recent mm -hmm. weeks. He didn't. He wasn't forced to come and flap or try and catch too many balls. He wasn't forced into making too many saves at the near post or, or scrambling. So, actually, I thought Arsenal did a, a very good job in, in protecting them in some sorts. They should have, though. Obviously, conceded a penalty. I've yet to meet anyone who thinks that it was the right a, decision. A man in Philadelphia. No, no, he definitely would have said it was a penalty because it's for Liverpool. Oh, yeah. uh, we didn't really even discuss it because it wasn't really worth it yesterday. That's what Klopp said. I'm pretty sure someone will come to explain it to me why it's not a handball, but I don't know how. How can a guy in office see that and not come to the conclusion that maybe, possibly, it could be worth the referee having another look? Uh, Arteta went all Wenger. Uh, there were two big decisions. I have not looked at them again yet. Uh, meanwhile, Saliba was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Saliba uh, came out. Have we got Saliba? There you go. Of course it was a penalty, but I'm not the ref, and they have to accept it. Brilliant. There you go. I don't know why managers <laughs> do the old Arsene Wenger like Arteta have not seen it, because he's got away with it. It's just, well, yeah, I thought it was a penalty, yeah. but it wasn't given. I can't, I can't change no, it. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that, is there? No, it's not, it's not, it's not his problem, but listen... You know, when Jurgen Klopp is, is saying, I don't know how people can sit in the booth, and for, for the sake of repeating myself, you know, the assistant sat in the booth on Friday night in the Aston Villa Sheffield United game and looked at a couple of clear incidents, in my opinion. Uh, one, the handball, he they suggested it was a shoulder, as we see that hand from Odegaard there, and the other was a push on Ollie Watkins at the back post, a clear push at full speed, and yet the officials, the VR representatives sitting there in the booth, and that's what they're seeing. So yeah. it, it, it's it's relatively consistent across the board. They're just not very good. But Mark, what's interesting is the handball role. We talk about grey areas and all this sort of things. This just seemed completely and utterly a penalty, a handball. Yeah, that that, that was my reaction at the time. And when you see it on the replay, it, he catches it with his arm, but he also seems to take a second movement to move it away from Salah. So for me, it's a, it's a nailed-on penalty. But I think what made the difference was that 
when the game carried on for about a minute and if it had gone out for a throw in five seconds later I think it would have had a halt in play but I just think it went on too long and it gave them cover to uh, just forget about it I mean the fact that referee wasn't even asked to check is is a surprise but I think we've all given up trying to second guess what a penalty is anyone what isn't a penalty Nathan would you like to add anything? Yeah, to be honest, I thought in the grand scheme of things that was, that decision was crap. So uh, yeah, oh. that's what I'm going to add to it. It's, cr it's like, Christmas. Okay, no, 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 no. Put your potty mouth at Christmas, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Come Sorry. on, Pardon I can't have my. Oh my god! You know what I mean? I can't commend the chief. Like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> Come on, Adam. People telling me, oh, but it's because his arm, it's because he's because he slipped. His arms moving towards his body. I was like, okay, but like it still just hit his hand in that way. And it's one of the weirdest looking like handball decisions. Like, obviously that's a pen. They're going to check it. Obviously they're going to give it. And then it's like, oh, no. And then Honor comes over in England. They were justifying why it wasn't given as a pen. And I'm seeing other people confirming yeah. that, yeah, because he slipped, then it's fine. I was like, what do you mean because he slipped? Like, that's not the way this works. Like, you could argue about no. deliberate, not deliberate, whatever. <laughs> But if we see that and say that's not a handball, then like, what is a handball in the grand scheme of things? Oh, yes, it's my job to use bad words on air. Well, there you go. So my, you're the cheery my one. Job, my job. To <laughs> use, <laughs> by the way, I can't take these three series dressed like right. that. Okay. Yeah, I can't take it seriously. Uh, obviously, one of the big surprises. You said we weren't going to waffle before the show. It's 40 minutes, man. I'm interrupting when I'm just trying to move on and get things going so I'm going to have a drink. <laughs> right. Um, meanwhile, Mark, one of the big surprises, of course, for Liverpool. Shut up that bloody thing. Right. That's my George. Right. Where are we? Mommy. Yeah, it's just like George. Uh, one of the big surprises, of course, was the starting 11, Mark, the Jurgen Klopp name, and it didn't have Darwin Nunez in it. Will he start against Burnley on Boxing Day? Uh, it's a tough one, that. I think he probably will because Cody Gakpo, you know, they're, they're both kind of. Either or, really, aren't they? So I think Nunes will play. I think I think Klopp would like to rotate it. Obviously, playing Boxing Day, it's only three days after the game against Arsenal, so I think that's a rotation thing. I think that Nunes offers something different, but I, I think he'll start at Burnley because you know they need to rotate the games, they need to rotate the players because they've got, they've got Newcastle as well coming up soon. So I, th I think Nunes will play. And I, th I think he did okay when he came on. He just doesn't have much uh, finishing ability right now. As a centre back, Naden, would you prefer Nunes on the bench? I think Nunes is such an interesting like player to discuss because you see he has an impact in the game because people playing against him do not enjoy it. But then they also relieve when he misses some of the chances that he does. So I'd prefer to see him on the bench, yes, 100%. But you know, when you're talking about Liverpool, it's never just about one person, isn't it? They've got so much threat everywhere. Mm. And yeah, for Nunes, I hope he starts scoring soon because at times you can see maybe he doesn't have the same sort of belief when he's trying to take someone on, when he's trying to make a running power, when he's trying to take a shot. But yeah, I think whether it's Nunes or Gakpo, I'm pretty sure Liverpool will be absolutely fine. Uh, we'll say thank you very much to Mark. Mark, where are you going on Boxing Day? Which game? Uh, I'm going to Everton on the 27th, so I'm, I'm watching things from afar on Boxing Day. Oh, lovely. Everton, uh, Manchester City, of course. <laughs> that is on the Wednesday. Boxing Day kicks off at St James's Newcastle, taking on Forest and Sheffield United, Luton Town, Bournemouth against Fulham. The aforementioned Burnley against Liverpool, and it's Manchester United at Old Trafford against Aston Villa that wraps things up. Oh, you wait to see my outfit for Boxing Day. Oh, I'm working oh, boy. Well. <laughs> uh, just a reminder, there is a special Gavin Jules podcast looking back at 2023. Uh, be sure to check that out. Speaking of specials, there'll be a special Football Americas uh, that will drop tomorrow. 
on ESPN Plus. Be sure to check that out. Meanwhile, our Christmas special will drop tonight at 8 p.m. Uh, Shaka has taken us through the top 10 stories from 2023. Mm. Ah. How come I wasn't invited on that? That's it. That brings us to the end of today's show. But extra he's, time is he's next. He's not dead. Right. There, it does not work anymore. Yeah, right. yeah Okay. Uh, Naina and Shaka have the pleasure of staying with us to answer some of your questions. <sighs> Welcome in then to the latest edition of Extra Time. Nadam is here, as is Shaka. If we told you to dress up, you wouldn't have done. No, correct. No, exactly. I'd never do what I'm told. No, yeah, so I've never ever done it. So the fact we just you see, if you see diving that swimming pool, yes. I won't dive in. No, exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I look, you know, just because I don't know. They made me work on oh, what days? Oh, Christmas Eve. Christmas yeah. Eve. Yes. So exactly. I thought, well, I'm so there. did you purchase those, or did you, did you find? No, that? I, this was actually hanging on the front door. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and this was already in the cupboard. Okay, ho, ho, yes. ho. Yep. And my little friend here. Yep. What is he singing? I'm a gift. What's he singing? I'm a Christmas gift. Oh, was it Bennett? This is. And he had eyes. Right, uh, so my dog ate it. But the dog ate it. Yeah. Right, yeah. And I, you've made no effort whatsoever. No, I haven't. You came in. No, what, what you dressed as? Uh, I'm, I'm dressed as someone's got to put up with I'm you for another ten minutes. Ten minutes? Goodness. You're dressed me. as a TV presenter. Deal with Josh all Christmas. Now I've got to deal with you as well. Ten-year-olds. Right, Craig. Who? Oh. Would, who would win? Your Your Reds or you, Chelsea? This is for Shaka. <laughs> you are my wish. <laughs> what was your question? Who would win between them and Chelsea? Chelsea. Chelsea. Rao Reds, they had, uh, I think they had two pot shots at goal in 90 minutes against uh, Crystal Palace, against Man City. Yes. Awful. Um, Shaka, why didn't you come in today? I was given the option to stay at home, I, so I took it. Wow, I wish someone else took it. Uh, ever been part of a dressing room <laughs> that was trying to get a coach? I told you, I'm gonna, uh, this, now that I know this is annoyed you, right, this is gonna be uh, Outfit City. Oh, good, good. For the next half of the Nadem, season. Nadem, you, you, you keep saying, let's get this done, and you keep interrupting. <laughs> Nadem. <laughs> well, the show went too long, didn't it? Because you kept interrupting. Dan, I'm, I'm sorry for your man. Sorry, Dan. Oh, sorry, I, sorry, Dan. Nadem. What? Have you ever been part of a dressing room that was trying to get a coach sacked? If so, was it discussed or understood by action or deed? After Poch has a go at his players on Friday and 75 minutes of them walking around the pitch at Wolves, I can only assume that's what's going on at Chelsea. <laughs> 75 minutes walking around, that feels a bit harsh. Uh, but I have seen some people in a couple of my, well, sorry, one person in a couple of my squads try and get three managers sacked across the years, yes. Wow. Each time, it didn't go down too well. And he thought, oh, I'm going to go and speak to the director, I'm going to go and speak to this guy, that guy. And very quickly, you realise that, you know, you're not supposed to have a direct line to a director to dictate who manages you as a player. But yeah, I have seen it. And it's pretty toxic when someone believes that they can get somebody out like that because they don't like them yet. I wonder what he's doing now, eh, Nader? Uh, if you're Sterling... Well, well, he's not in football anymore, Dan, is he? He's not in football anymore. If you're Sterling's teammate, do you let him hear it in the dressing room or do you just give him the silent treatment? You're saying that you would have spoken to him at half-time. I think my, all the guys I played with would have... Yeah. Well... <laughs> have you seen it happen? Yeah. Is, yes. it a, is it a regular thing? More, more regular than we would think. 
Ah, uh, I don't know. Certainly, when in the teams that I played for, if somebody, if you're a part, no, particularly when you're having such a hard time, right? He is and was the best. He was the best performer at the start of the season. That's slightly tailed off a bit now. Spend, spending half his time on the floor. Yeah. Should have been. He was booked for diving in the second half. When you're having such a bad time, you've got to make good decisions. Decisions that are not about you and it's just about the greater good, right? So if, if, if we were getting hammered uh, and we were struggling and we were away from home, no matter where we were, and somebody was being selfish like that, there would have been a problem at halftime, trust me, a big problem. So, I, I, you know, maybe they went in today's player and went, oh, that's fine, don't worry about it, son. Right. You see, you'll do better next time. Shaka, uh, have you seen it? Uh, yeah, the, the, the closest parallel I can, I can draw from, from my own experience, obviously as a goalkeeper, what happens up the other end, let, let them deal with it. I remember one year playing for West Ham, we were to Birmingham City in the Cup, Paolo Di Canio was supposed to be in the wall and then after we get the wall set up he just turns and says he's gonna he's gonna mark and just kind of runs out the wall and and goes to mark somebody on the far side Birmingham City take a quick free kick right where he was standing it, it goes in and this was a couple of minutes before before halftime and I and I absolutely lost it in the dressing room at, at halftime with, with Paolo um, thankfully, we come back in the second half, we won the game and we were just able to kind of put that behind you. But um, from, from my own experience, that is, is the closest parallel I, I can draw. I hope somebody said something because it was ridiculous, it was inexcusable. Do those lights work around your neck, Shaq? Are they just for show? The batteries are dead. Oh, the batteries are dead. No. <laughs> I know where you're going for a drink after the show. Uh, I'm going to turn Nadum. up dressed like this. Good, that'd be nice. Good, yeah, lovely. Nadum, what, have you seen it? <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. And to be honest, I think I think this might be a bit different to the guys, but I think Raheem Sterling is self more aware than we think. And I reckon he would have apologized at halftime. Because like he, when he was at Man City, more often than not, he'd probably be passing that because that was a culture that existed there. So I think he's gonna be old enough, wise enough to come in and sort of get ahead of it. Because yeah, if people come raining down on you saying how stupid you are for not passing the ball. Like, I think that can get some people's back up, but I think you, you'll know in that moment that that was the wrong decision, especially given the fact that he didn't end up with a goal. Uh, we did this on the show, so let's put a slightly different angle. Someone's asking who's worse, Chelsea or Manchester United. Naden, which dressing room would you prefer to be in? Core, oh, that is a cracking question. Um, I think I'd have to say the Chelsea one, just because people haven't been there long enough to be presenting their worst selves. Whereas I think for some of the people at United have been there so long and some of them have tasted success, and for some now it's not going so well, that they could actually be a lot more miserable. Whereas I think the Chelsea one's probably a bit more hopeful, even if it's unrealistic. What about you? Looking well enough. Well, the question, which dressing room? <laughs> Don't encourage him, Shaq. The one with the best fancy dress. Right, good. Shaka, which dressing room? <laughs> uh, I agree with Nidham. Chelsea. I, I, I just feel um, Chelsea are still kind of new, new into this Todd Bowley era. Uh, era. Um, at the very least, he showed he's, he's willing to spend. Uh, I'm not sure that Manchester United are. I think both clubs have, have a lot of problems. Um, United's hierarchy don't seem to to have much of a clue themselves. Um, 
the downside being they, they aren't willing to spend. And I don't think Sir Jim Radcliffe coming in changes an, an awful lot about that. At least Chelsea could throw money at, at, at their problems. Hopefully they get it right at some point. Craig. See how easy Shaka buckles. What do you mean? Well, do you remember the start of the World Cup? when something happened and he changed his mind. Yes, he, he backed Argentina, they yeah. lost to Saudi Arabia, then he changed his mind. He buckled. Yes. And he's had a bit of stick at the start. <laughs> and he, the, other, the, the main show, he had a bit of stick about not being very Christmassy. Right. And when he went off camera, he buckled and went away and put a jumper on. And well, some, maybe he's uh, just joining in. Oh, he buckled. I, don't well, know why I, I, was on, I was on for the Christmas show and, and Dan told me don't, don't dress up. Dan By the way, that's the not, Christmas show yes. that I wasn't invited yes. on to, yeah. and I'll get to that, Later down the line, right. was were you were people dressed up? No. Why not? It's, that's disgraceful. <laughs> we did. That we said no. There's not many flowers, and I had a Christmas jumper that ready to go. That was our old boss that used to put these. Uh, no, we've had, we've had since he's left. We've had flowers, definitely. I think this is the first year we're flowerless. Well, that's yeah, even more you. reason for me to be... Uh... Craig, considering how dysfunctional and seemingly ambivalent much of the Manchester United squad is, do the guys think an appointment of a take-no-guff manager like Antonio Conte would be the answer for the remainder of the season? The football couldn't be much worse and a clear-out is in order. No, I don't think it's as easy as that because they've had, uh, they've had at least a couple. Uh, so moving on from David Moyes, Van yeah. Gaal doesn't take no. uh, prisoners. Mourinho certainly doesn't take prisoners, and and, and Ralph Ranick, who knows? <laughs> and Ralphie come in, <laughs> Ralphie left, uh, and then all, all everybody's friend was there. All the Gunnar Solskjaer actually did all right, actually for for a period, but yeah, doesn't make him a good man. So no, I don't You're think calling I, for him to be sacked for much of his time there. Yeah, was he kind of done that kind of job? All right. <laughs> for, for Craig, who's been the best midfielder in the Premier League this season? Wow. Uh, well, um, Declan Rice is the suggestion, this person. Yeah, Declan Rice, uh, Douglas Luiz. Uh, you know, I can go around Man City. The, you know, Rodri. Yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, Rodri. Uh, Liverpool. I don't think we've seen the best of him. He's injured at the moment. I don't think we've seen the best yet of Macas. I saw Dominic Soberslai mm -hmm. has been terrific, but I, I, I would. Nail my colours to the mast with Declan Rice. Nadim, do you agree? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think all those people you named are, are very, very prominent. And the Douglas Louise one is that's a great shout as well. Because he's been pivotal to what's been probably Villa's best ever Premier League season so far. But yeah, Rice, for them, he's been the perfect signing. So yeah, I'd probably lean that way. Final question, everyone. Hooray! Oh, yes. Uh, Shaka, have you ever played for a side where by Christmas you already wanted the season to be over? It's like the show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nah, no, not, 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 not by Christmas. Um, I, I think there's just so much, so much at stake. I've only been in a one relegation battle with Pompey. First season we got promoted. Um, and things weren't going great at Christmas, but we turned it around. But you know, it's always something. It's, it's just so much option still come at Christmas, one way or the other. That it's never over. Uh, well, it's never over. And you know what? The one thing you want to do when you're driving around, you know, your local town at Christmas time, you want to make sure you're not you're in a, a, in a vehicle that's you know very low key. <laughs> and it turns out our uh, 
EFC presenter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been driving around in this. How did we get to this? <laughs> no. That, that is that. definitely... Does that not say Christmas? No, what? <laughs> no wonder he's in such a rush to go out for a drink later. Jack, uh, he's he's hey. going to go drive around town. His window's down, mm -hmm. driving around town. Ah. Nadav, when you see that car, you think Dan Thomas, don't you? Oh. Oh, that's big, Dan Thomas. Wow. <laughs> yes, buddy boy. Do you, know oh, what, do you know what I think you know. when I see that car? If I saw that car outside my house, there's only one thing I think. Uh, Call 911. Hey, there you are. Little treat for myself. <laughs> Call 911. <laughs> there's, there's a worrying person around. Or a car. Lovely. Couldn't resist it. <laughs> Beautiful. Are we done? Um, can, you, can you see it with the dashboard? Sorry? Can you see over the Can dashboard? Can you see over the dashboard in that thing? It came with a cushion, actually, Shaq, so that's fine. <laughs> I heard you revving it, I heard you revving it there, David. Boom, 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 boom. We're done. <laughs> Treat yourself at Christmas when can you. Thank you very much, everyone. Good stuff. Happy holidays. Shaq, Shaq, just uh. before we go, here's one for the road. Uh. You are a race. <laughs> Just <laughs> for you, Shaq. Please. I, I promise Never you, again. No, no eggnog has been consumed. No eggnog has been consumed ahead of today's show. Whatever you're doing over the festive period, be sure to enjoy it. Remember tonight, um, our special Shine view of coming. 2023 drops, and then we'll be back here on Boxing Day uh, to reflect on all those big Premier League matches. What is wrong with you today?